Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. It is Wednesday. I'm coming to you on Wednesday instead of Tuesday for a couple of reasons. First of all, Packers are probably going to lose against the Detroit Lions, so I thought might as well let us marinate in that win for another extra day before we all have to jump ahead to uh, previewing the Detroit game. And then additionally, if I recorded yesterday, we wouldn't have the injury designations of all the players going into Thursday's game. So I thought it would be better to record today, but it is today now. So I'm coming in and the first order of business in previewing this Packers-Lions Thanksgiving matchup is the injury report. And holy guacamole did Sunday's game against LA seemingly kill the Packers from an injury standpoint. Packers with 17 players listed on the injury report. That is... If I do some quick math here, that is something like 30, 30%, 32% of the of the uh, active roster. So holy cow, the Packers are beat up. In comparison, the Lions have four players listed on the injury report. Every single person on the Lions injury report, aside from one, Jonah Jackson, who is out, is a, was a full participant. So the Lions have one player that's out. None of, none of the Lions' other players have an injury designation. The Packers have 17 kind of where we're at um looking at the packers injury report i'll start at the top read the um injury designation if they have one and then read their practice habits otherwise i'll just let you know so jair alexander questionable going into thursday limited all three practices this past week or these are all on tuesday wednesday they held a walkthrough and then monday they didn't they didn't practice so these are all sort of estimations but this is where they estimated the these players participation levels to be at had they held a real practice so jair alexander questionable going in limited all three days or estimated to be Corey ballantyne does not have an injury designation good news limited on monday then full participant tuesday wednesday he's good to go awesome devondre campbell questionable he had a neck injury did not participate on either monday or Tuesday, but then estimated to be a full participant on Wednesday, so questionable now. We'll see what that what that means. Kenny Clark, shoulder, limited all three days. He no has no injury designation. He is going to go. Awesome news there. Josiah DeGuara did not participate any of the three days. He's doubtful. Um, he has a hip injury. AJ Dillon, limited all three days with a groin injury. He's questionable going in. Rudy Ford, with a biceps injury, limited all three days, questionable going in. Rashawn Gary, limited on Monday, full participant Tuesday, Wednesday. No injury designation for Rashawn. He's good to go. Elton Jenkins, knee limited all three days. No injury designation for Elton. He's good to go. Aaron Jones, knee did not participate any of the three days. He is out. Luke Musgrave has since been placed on IR, so didn't practice Monday, Tuesday. Not surprisingly, obviously out. He's on IR. Uh, Keyshawn Nixon, limited, limited, and then a full participant with an ankle injury. No injury designation for him. He's good to go. Jaden Reed was not listed on Monday, 
but then apparently told the coaching staff, hey, dealing with a chest injury was limited on Tuesday or estimated to be, then upgraded to a full participant on Wednesday. He doesn't have an injury designation. Thank God he's good to go. Darnell Savage came back off of IR, limited all three days with a calf, but he's going to be held out coming back off of IR. Christian Watson with the shoulder, limited Monday, full participant on both Tuesday and Wednesday. No injury designation for him. He's good to go. And then Dontavion Wicks has a concussion slash knee injury. Did not participate on Monday or Tuesday, but upgraded to a limited participant on Wednesday, and he's now questionable. Lastly, Emmanuel Wilson placed on IR, so he's obviously not going to be playing. On the Lions side of things, Isaiah Bugs, he's going to be playing for the Lions. Jonah Jackson out for the Lions. Um, Melifonwu for the Lions. I did not try to pronounce his first name because I just feel like I would butcher it. He's good to go, and then Frank Ragnow for the Lions, good to go. So, a lot of things to talk about on the injury front. Um, first thing, first order of business, the guys who've been placed on IR. So, Emmanuel Wilson placed on IR, absolutely sucks. He's going to be out for four weeks at least. Hopefully, he can come back after that. You know, he hurt his shoulder, but hopefully, he'll be okay. Um, yeah, the Packers are going to have to do without him for now, though. I expect Patrick Taylor, who we'll talk about in a second, to remain on the active roster um, for some time until Emmanuel Wilson comes back. In other bad injury news, Luke Musgrave. I mean, brutal. Both him and Wicks being injured, horrible. Just arguably the three best Packers rookies this year in Wicks, Musgrave, and Reed all were placed on the injury report this week. The worst is Musgrave, who I told you he's been placed on IR very, I'm not going to say interesting, but uh, unique injury with Luke Musgrave. He has a lacerated kidney. Um, so serious, his lacerated kidney was that he had to visit the hospital. Now, you might think, well, how did this happen? Well, apparently, it happened during the game. And if you go back, you're watching the All-22, you can see the moment where he seemingly lacerates his kidney. It was on an out route. Jordan Love throws a ball in the out. Massive third down conversion, Luke Musgrave falls on the ball, and then Derwin James lands on top of him. He kind of grabs at his side there. Um, you can see it on the All-22, but then sort of walks back and plays the rest of the game, which is absurd. I mean, the coaches have talked about Luke Musgrave's toughness. You can clearly see in that how tough he is. The fact that he was playing for a large portion of the game while having a lacerated kidney, that's crazy. Then, I think on Monday, I guess, he had to go to the hospital, and I think he called the Packers trainer, Flea, from the hospital, said, you know, this is what's up. They said, okay, kind of dealt with it from there, but he's been placed on IR, um, which not only means that he'll miss four weeks, but because of the injury, the lacerated kidney, his season may very well be over. Missing four weeks takes him to week 16, being the first week that he can come back, and then We've seen players miss entire, not entire seasons, but way more than four weeks, um, like up to five weeks with lacerated kidneys. So there's a good chance Musgrave's season is over. If, if it is over, I mean, Luke Musgrave is awesome this year. I'm so excited for, for what he's going to bring to this team next year. His blocking improved throughout the year and in general was leaps and bounds ahead of where I expected it to be. I think from a playmaking standpoint, he showed incredible flashes of playmaking. And I mean, when you take into account the general lack of production of rookie tight ends, 
um, and him playing only 11 weeks. He actually had quite a productive season. He had 341 yards through 11 weeks, 10 games, which would put him on pace for over 500 yards through 17 games. That's something that very few rookie tight ends ha have done. Um, so awesome for Luke Musgrave there. Yeah, I mean, he's been awesome. I'm so excited for what he's going to bring. I think he's going to be, and Matt said as much, Matt has heaped praise on him. I think he's going to be a super dynamic player in this league for years to come for the Green Bay Packers. For now, oh well, you know, they're gonna we're going to be seeing a lot more of Ben Sims and Tucker Craft. And yeah, it does suck not to have Musgrave. I mean, it, 2 million percent, it sucks a whole lot. But this is an opportunity for both Ben Sims and Tucker Craft to get some development in. Both of them are rookies. And hopefully, in the long run, maybe this tight end room becomes a little bit deeper because of the opportunities that Ben Sims and Tucker Craft are going to get. That's what I have on, on uh, Luke Musgrave. Horrible. Just uh, sucks so much for Luke Musgrave. Um, other rookies with injuries, Dontavian Wicks, concussion plus a knee injury. Hopefully, the knee isn't too severe. Seems like it wouldn't be. It isn't too severe. Um, because he was, he would have been a limited participant uh, had he practiced today or had the Packers held a practice today. I will say, the concussion is really the thing that I guess is holding him out. Now, they listed him as questionable, which is very interesting because usually, well, no, always, you have to clear concussion protocol before you can play. So Wicks suffered a concussion on presumably the hit he took on Sunday. As a result... He has, to con he has to clear concussion protocol before he can play in the next game. Now, usually the players get a full week to clear concussion protocol. Usually, you know, they can come back. They can play. We've had some Packers this year have concussions, come back. I think Luke Musgrave might have had one. I'm trying to remember now who had one. I don't remember exactly, but definitely a Packer had a concussion and then through the week was able to clear concussion protocol and play seven days later. However, Packers are playing on Thursday. That's only four days later. I don't see any world in which four days is enough time to clear concussion protocol. Somehow he's listed as questionable. I'm not sure, you know, how that works. Um, oftentimes, if the concussion is an issue or expected to be an issue, they'll list him as, as doubtful. So uh, very interesting to, to look at him being listed as questionable. I don't know whether he'll play versus Detroit. I'm going to assume he's not going to play right now, but... We'll have to see there. It, does, it doesn't It does seem too serious with Wick. Seems like he'll be back next week for Sunday Night Football versus Kansas City. So not as horrible as the Musgrave injury. Still, if they don't have him tomorrow, it sucks not having your playmaker and a general receiver at the caliber of Wicks. Uh, other guys, Jaden Reed, chest, looks like he's good to go. A little bit of a scare that he came in City as a chest injury, but seemingly going to play. So that's nice. On the running backs, Aaron Jones, Emmanuel Wilson. I talked about Emmanuel Wilson. He's been placed on IR. Aaron Jones. Just an MCL sprain for Aaron Jones. The first time anyone's ever said just an MCL sprain, I expected so much worse from Aaron Jones. I expected ACL his season over, maybe his career as a Packers over. No, he's not going on IR. He'll miss two to three weeks, probably not going to be back next Sunday for the game against Kansas City, already ruled out for the game against Detroit. But an MCL sprain, going to miss a couple weeks, but he'll be back at some point this season, which is awesome news. Um, other sort of news, Darnell Savage designated to return to practice. I can't believe I'm saying this, but after a pretty bad Jonathan Owens performance against LA, it might just be nice to have Darnell Savage back. And then looking at injury designations. So 
Jair, Rudy Ford, Devondre Campbell, AJ Dillon, and Dontavian Wicks are all questionable. TBD on all those guys. I think Jair is going to be a real game-time decision with his shoulder. Rudy Ford, similarly, I think is going to be a real game-time decision. Devondre Campbell, interesting that he was a full participant on Wednesday or would have been if they'd had a practice, but would not have participated on Monday or Tuesday. So if I had to guess right now, I'd say he's playing, but not sure. Uh, Dontavian Wicks, no idea what's going to happen with Wicks because that concussion having to clear protocol... I wouldn't even try to guess. I think it's weird that he's listed questionable at all. Um, AJ Dillon reportedly expected to play per jo- Jordan Schultz. So that's good news. I mean, the Packers need him, right? AJ Dillon's running back one for the team right now. Dear God, let AJ Dillon play. But it does seem like he's going to play, which is which is good news. Uh, in terms of the guys who are out, Aaron Jones out, Darnell Savage out, DeGuara doubtful. No shockers there. Um, I'm definitely not too unhappy that DeGuara is doubtful. That's what I have mostly kind of on the injury front. Um, now let's get into the moves that the Packers had to make because of their injuries. So first sort of order of business, the Packers signed a couple guys. So first of all, they brought James Robinson back to the practice squad. They'd previously released him. Um, but with Emmanuel Wilson going to IR and Aaron Jones seemingly going to be out for a little bit of time, they said, okay, let's bring back. James Robinson, he knows the offense, and they're really, I mean, when you're looking at practice squad running backs out there around the league, there aren't a lot of guys much better than James Robinson, so they're saying, let's bring him back. He knows the playbook more or less well enough to just get a couple of snaps, and I think at most he'll get two or three snaps come Thursday. They also signed Patrick Taylor to the active roster, so take him off of New England's practice squad, sign him to the active roster, have to imagine he's going to be that second running back on Thursday. He's been in Lafleur's system for years. They trust him, brought him back, say, look, we need you right now. Funny, funny report. Wes Hodkowitz reported that Patrick Taylor was watching Green Bay's game last weekend with New England on a bye. And he he watched live as, you know, Aaron Jones got injured, Emmanuel Wilson got injured. And he told his wife, you know, quote, I might be going back to Green Bay. Fast forward a couple minutes, his agent calls and, well, here we are. So Patrick Taylor had a sense. Packers were on the phone with him mid-game, said, we need you back. They brought him back. And then additionally, they signed Bo Melton to the 53-man roster. So that's both Patrick Taylor and Bo Melton signed to the 53-man roster, which is interesting because it doesn't seem like there's... They, they now have seven receivers on the active roster. doesn't seem like there's some obvious... Um, reason maybe that puts Jaden or Dontavian Wicks's status for the game into question yeah it's it's interesting that they signed Bo Melton um I don't expect him to be too much of a contributor maybe they send him on a on a go route and you know see what happens he's pretty speedy but that's that's in that's the news in terms of who they added they also cut a couple of guys so they cut Dallin Levitt from the active roster and they cut Christian Young from the practice squad linebacker the cuts Seemingly just to make room for guys funny, on Dallin Levitt, he had two penalties that set Green Bay inside their own 10 to start the game on Sunday. Lafleur was absolutely livid, about as livid as I've ever seen him. But when he asked, when he was asked, you know, did that have anything to do with you cutting down Levitt? He said, no, no, absolutely not. I don't know. Not sure if I believe that, but that's where we are there. So Dallin Levitt cut, Christian Young cut from the practice squad, James Robinson back to the practice squad, Patrick Taylor to the 53-man roster, Bo Melton to the 53-man roster, Luke Musgrave and Emmanuel Wilson both to IR. 
And then lastly, a couple of elevations for game day. They elevated fullback Henry Pearson, probably just as a as a third tight end in there with behind Tucker Craft and Ben Sims. And then they elevated safety Benny Snap. That is all the news that we have on the injury front. I say all the news. It took 16 minutes to go through all that. So now, finally, let's jump into the game. So first of all, first order of business, it's Thanksgiving football. The Packers are playing a game on Thanksgiving in Detroit. Look, I'm not a massive, scrap massive, I'm not a fan of the Packers playing on Thanksgiving. I think that Thanksgiving's a time to enjoy your day and not have to worry about the Green Bay Packers. Unfortunately, Packers are playing on Thanksgiving and they're playing at 1230 Eastern time. Yeah, that's not great. Not only that, but they're playing in Ford Field, which is never fun to play in. It has a disastrous turf right? That's the field that got Rashawn Gary and Eric Stokes both injured last year. And I think the fact that Green Bay never plays well there um, kind of isn't a great sign. Additionally, the place can get really loud, especially now that the lines don't suck. So a bunch of factors going in that aren't great. That being said, don't go into this game expecting them to win. Go into this game expecting them to get whooped. And at that point, your expectations can only get met or you can be positively surprised. And that kind of takes me into the overall preview of this game, where I think the best way to start is just to say, and it pains me, trust me, so deeply to say this, the Detroit Lions are a very good football team looking to make a run at the Super Bowl in 2023, this year. The Green Bay Packers, meanwhile, are a much worse football team. Again, it pains me to say this. Um, They're extremely mediocre at this point. And they're looking to make a Super Bowl run in 2024, even 2025, depending on how the rest of the season plays out. And what that means is that there is a very real world, and I would say in the majority of worlds out there, the Green Bay Packers are probably going to walk into Detroit and get curb stomped, get their ass handed to them. And I I gotta tell you, it wouldn't be shocking. It's probably expected for Detroit for the fourth time in the past two years to walk up to Green Bay and say, whoever you used to be, we are those guys now. We run the division now. We own you. We will continue to own you. And we don't care whether or not you become a good team. Right now, you're nowhere near our level, and we're going to push you down and show you how much more dominant than you we are. We've seen it now over the past two years. The past three games the Packers have played against the Lions, Detroit has just imposed their will on Green Bay. Quite frankly, it's a reality that we need to prepare ourselves for, and that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. It's a pretty depressing overall preview, but that's where I'm at. Now, if we want to get a little bit more positive, I will say Detroit's defense has struggled as of late, which is a good sign for Green Bay's offense. That being said, you know, for every positive there's a negative and that is the negative being that Detroit's offense remains as explosive as ever as physical as ever they can beat you downfield which means Joe Barry's likely gonna try to say hey run the ball on us but guess what Detroit's just as good if not better at running the ball and I fully expect Green Bay to get run all over I think Detroit's gonna put up massive numbers is this game gonna be competitive probably not I mean if the offense can come back stronger they can hopefully maybe keep up with Detroit if they play better than uh, than the offense did in week four, then I guess you have a chance. But 
I think that there's a very real world where you might be better off just eating your turkey and turning off the game. I won't because for some reason I enjoy the pain, but trust me, it might be better to enjoy your Thanksgiving. That way, that's what I have from an overall standpoint. Let's jump into, with that super optimistic preview, let's jump into the offensive keys. And my first offensive key kind of sets the tone for this entire game. Try not to get whooped up front. The Packers are going to get beat. Aiden Hutchinson, he's a dominant pass rusher. And it's so, I am still angry at the Jacksonville Jaguars for actually thinking it was smart to take Trevon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. Trevon Walker's not a bad player, but he is not first overall pick caliber. And the fact that Aiden Hutchinson was ignored and they took Trevon Walker, and more importantly, AJ Hawkinson was left. I'm not AJ Hawkinson. What am I saying? Aiden Hutchinson was left for the Detroit Lions to take and torture the Packers with for the foreseeable future. That is miserable. Just miserable. I'm still angry at Jacksonville for doing that to us. But regardless, getting back to this game, what killed Green Bay in their first game, it wasn't just Aiden Hutchinson. It was, in general, their offensive line got manhandled. Manhandled. And it wasn't just in the running game either. It was also the passing game, where I feel like play after play after play in that first half, the line just was folded into Jordan's lap, and he was stuck having to deal with that. It was probably the biggest reason that they lost the game. So this game, the line needs to hold up. And look, right off the bat, I don't expect them to do well in the running game. Run blocking in general sucks for this for this Packers team. It is game to game to a degree. Maybe they come into this game in somehow, some way, look really, really good. But in general, they do suck. However, in the past game, things can look good and in general have looked good-ish. And so if the line can hold up, I do believe that Green Bay can move the ball with their really, really fun, really, really young receivers and... Detroit's, while not terrible, not great secondary, will hopefully have their hands full. However, it's going to require the line holding up and giving Jordan and receivers a chance to win before the ball even leaves Jordan's hands. And that's why, I mean, that's why the line needs to hold up. Now, how is the line going to hold up? Well, let's, let's, let's look at the line. Constance, who are guys on that offensive line that I actually believe in in pass protection? Elton Jenkins and Zach Tom, for sure. They're incredible players, incredibly consistent, about as constant as you can get, and Zach Tom being healthier now than he was in week four is definitely going to be massive when it comes to stopping Aiden Hutchinson. Zach Tom just shut down TJ Watt about as much as any mortal can. Pretty, pretty, pretty impressive from Zach Tom. Hopefully he can do the same against TJ why do I keep saying TJ Hawkinson against Aiden Hutchinson? Um, and then honestly, another constant from a pass protection standpoint is Josh Myers. Now, he's nowhere near as positive as Elton or Zach Tom, but for all intents and purposes, he is a constant. And now it's not a it's not a massive constant. It's not a super positive constant. We know, however, that consistently he's going to give us decent pass protection. Not incredible, not, you know, best in the league, but not terrible either. And so that means three of your guys up front, you know what they're going to give you in pass pro. The issue comes in the other two guys. The first spot we got to talk about is right guard, and that is where John Runyon Jr. plays. And look, spoiler alert, Green Bay is probably going to play Runyon. Now, I know Adam Stenovich talked a little bit and said, you know, they would be rotating Sean Ryan, but for the most part, 
expect John Runyon Jr. to play. So, John Runyon Jr. is going to play. What do we need from him? We, I don't expect John Runyon Jr.'s pass protection to be good. I don't expect it to be even decent, but I need it to be not absolutely awful. I need it not to be losing them plays. And if it does, Packers aren't going to have a chance in this game. However, if he's able to not play great, but just play mildly poorly is the best way of putting it, Green Bay's offensive line still has a chance. But then there's still a second spot that we have to talk about, and that is left tackle. Who's going to be at left tackle? Rasheed Walker, Yash Naiman? I'm not sure. I think both of them are pretty much the same player at this point. Rasheed definitely had one of his better pass protection weeks last week against LA. So hopefully, maybe, they uh, they start him in this game. I think that, in general, it's going to be very interesting to see um, how the left tackle spot holds up. If the left tackle spot holds up, the Packers have a chance. But it's going to take right guard and left tackle coming in there, Runyon and Rashid, or Yosh and Runyon, or Rashid and Sean Ryan, if we're really lucky, those guys have to hold up. If they hold up, Green Bay's got a chance, but they have to play well. That's what we're looking for there. My second offensive key, get the football to your playmakers. Now, yes, they're going to be down playmaker and Luke Musgrave, probably down a playmaker and Dontavian Wicks, and they're going to be facing a, a very tough defensive front. So, then you kind of look at what Matt LaFleur can do with that, facing that tough defensive front. Let's say he has two options. The first option, run hard-nosed football. Run heavy, condensed sets, button things up, and say, hey, Detroit, we're tougher than you. We're going to win. That's kind of hilarious, right? We know. There's no way the Packers are going to do that. What are they going to do? They're going to jump to option number two. Matt's going to say, hey, what's option number two? Option number two is... We're going to hit you hard with our quick passes. We're going to let our guys run after the catch, and we're going to beat you with finesse. What's Matt going to do? Spoiler alert, it's the latter. And last year, prior to Watson's breakout, and, you know, Dobbs was still developing, both of the Packers' best offensive players were at running back. Now, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's a quarterback. He was probably one of their top, not ahead of Aaron Jones, but probably ahead of A.J. Dillon last year. He was, I mean, whatever. The Packers' top playmakers were running back. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Alan Lazard, not a playmaker. Randall Cobb, not even close to a playmaker. This year, however, they've added three incredible playmakers. Wicks, Reed, Musgrave, arguably Dobbs has developed into a playmaker, and I was not expecting them to develop that many playmakers. That now means that their passing attack becomes a whole lot more fun, and their offensive line has gotten worse. Their running game has gotten worse, so that running game becomes a whole lot less fun. That's why I think the passing offense is the way they're going to, and honestly, probably should lean. Still, you have to find ways to have success. The first key, get in the line to hold up. We talked about that. But then the second key, take whatever playmakers are available to you, whether it's just Watson, Dobbs, and Reed, whether it's Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and Wicks, whether it's Watson, Dobbs, Reed, and Wicks, and Tucker Craft. We need to get the ball to those guys. Reed and Watson, honestly, I think they should be getting a huge number of targets. Get the ball early to them. Get the ball often to them. Get the ball to them in space. Run slant after slant after slant with Watson. Run crosser after crosser after crosser with Watson. Don't just run them on deep clear-out routes where Detroit's going to send a safety over. He takes two guys and guess what? The Packers aren't throwing it to him. Run crosser after crosser after crosser. Run man-beater after man-beater after man-beater and try to get Watson into space with the ball. Jaden Reed, similar things. Get him the ball in as many ways as you can, because he's he's freaking fun as crap with the ball in his hands. And then Romeo Dobbs, get him the ball too, right? 
if they can get the ball to those playmakers, whoever it is, specifically Watson and Reed, keep Jordan blocked up, then I think they can find some success and they can move the ball a little bit on offense. If they can't keep guys blocked up, if they can't get the ball to their playmakers, good night, turn off the game, it's over, right? Those are my offensive keys to success. That's what they're going to need to do. Defensively, my first key, play some sound run defense. I'm begging you, play sound run defense. And Joe Barry, he's going to allow this defense to get run on. I fully expect him to play six-man box after six-man box after six-man box. But to avoid this turning into a route where the defense gives up 35 points, the offense only gets five possessions, and the D gets run into the ground, guys up front need to play well. Players need to play well. And the players played relatively well against the Chargers, aside from a massive Eckler run. They did very well against LA, and they did well versus Minnesota. Next step, do it against a much better Lions offense, which a much better offensive line, and a significantly better running back, in or running back combo in Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. And I'm not going to give you any expert analysis here. I'm not going to say anything maybe you don't already know. I'm going to say... At the first level, guys need to get penetration. Wyatt, he got a lot of penetration against the Chargers. Keep doing that, but this time, finish. Make the tackles when they're there. TJ Slayton, gotta be better. Not a great game against the Chargers. And then Kenny Clark, I mean, just continue being you, Kenny. Keep being a stud. On the edge, I think they've done a pretty good job for the most part. I think Van Ness is gonna, has done a good job setting the edge in the run game. Preston Smith, same thing. They need to continue to do that. Keep holding the edge at the second level, whether it's Quay or McDuffie or Quay and Devondre. They need to come flying downhill. They need to fill their gaps. They need to play sure, sound, gap-to-gap run defense. And then at the safety spot, whoever it is, Savage, no, he's not going to be playing. Ford, Owens, Anthony Johnson Jr., whoever, come downhill, do your job, fill the run lanes. You can't miss tackles. You have to disengage off of blocks. And if they do that, I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying they're going to have success, but they will at least give themselves give themselves a chance of success as opposed to what would happen if you know, they uh they can't disengage, can't fill their gaps, can't make tackles and then get run all over. And then my second defensive key, get turnovers. And I could make this a key every single week. Of course I could, but it's especially true when you're playing a better team because the Packers have to steal possessions. They are a worse team than the Detroit Lions. Make no mistake about it. Now, you have to really give yourself an advantage by taking away turnovers. And, I mean, Chicago did it last week. They got three turnovers against the Lions. They still happened to lose, but at least that game was close. How do the Packers get turnovers? They get fumbles. Rashawn Gary off the edge. I want to see Rashawn Gary have some serious success. Go up against Penny Sewell, who's a top tackle in the league at this point. Have some success there. Kenny Clark, he wrecks shop. Have him continue to wreck shop. Remember when he swatted the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands last year in, Minna- in uh, not Minnesota, in Green Bay, week 17 at Lambeau? Have Kenny do that again. Get interceptions too. Jair, hopefully he plays. Maybe he comes in, says... I know you took away my buddy Rasul Douglas. I know I'm on Ra and Jameson Williams are out there thinking they're going to catch passes all over us. Well, guess what? I'm coming in there. I'm saying, hey, Jared, try throwing at me and I'm going to get some turnovers. That'd be awesome. Maybe we get Carrington Valentine. 
to jump a pass. We've seen how aggressive he is. Maybe the Lions come in there, underestimate him a little bit, throw at him a couple of times. Carrington says, oh yeah, you want to throw that comeback to Jameson Williams? Guess what? I'm all over that jumps. It takes it to the house for a pick six. That'd be dope. It's if a couple of those things happen, some guys step up, just make plays that are there. Then Green Bay is going to be giving themselves a chance. And that's really all you can hope for. It's just about increasing the chance of winning, increasing it from 30% or 20% to 40%. And that's going to happen through turnovers. That's my second defensive key to the game. That is what I have. That being said, let's, uh, let's jump into my players to watch my final segment of the day. My first player to watch, Jordan Love. And I'm putting Jordan Love back here. I know I've been on kind of a Jordan Love kick lately. I went on a, I said, Jordan Love's my player to watch against Minnesota. A couple weeks later, Jordan Love's my player to watch against Pittsburgh. A couple weeks later, Jordan Love's my player to watch against Detroit. But I think I wanted to talk about Jordan Love, and I put him here because I think we're reaching a very interesting point with Jordan. A lot of people were really down on him from weeks four through eight, from the Lions loss to the Raiders loss to the Broncos loss to the to the Vikings loss. But I honestly didn't feel like he played as poorly as everyone wanted to say. And then recently, I think people have been very high on him. People have been much higher on him because of how he played against the Steelers and, and Chargers. But I do think he was playing pretty similarly to how he was in previous weeks. The difference is simply that in the Chargers game, the Steelers game, the Rams game, he's, first of all, yes, some of this is him hitting deep balls to guys like Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave. But also, also, I think part of it is the fact that players around him started to play better and receivers weren't running into each other on routes. With that small bit of development on the receiver's side, all of a sudden these offensive results look better and Jordan Love is starting to get a lot more praise. Regardless, I think it's been pretty clear this season that Jordan Love is an NFL starting quarterback. No question in my mind. I think he's clearly a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. I think there are 10, 15 teams out there that would, without a doubt, switch their quarterback for Jordan Love right now. Because I think, first of all, what Jordan Love brings from a potential standpoint in terms of pure talent is extremely exciting but then also I think that because of what Green Bay's done from the from a development standpoint over the past three years Jordan is has become a good quarterback and an NFL starting quarterback the key is though being an NFL starting quarterback means that if Jordan were given a better left tackle and a better right guard and the team learned how to run the ball, they develop a little bit on offense, then they could win a Super Bowl. Then they're a Super Bowl winning offense. And that's true. But notice how I had to say, if this happens and this happens and this happens, that's kind of what's wrong with just being a, a starting caliber quarterback. It's that everything around you has to be near perfect for you to win the Super Bowl. That's not what you want. You want Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, or guys near that level, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, who even if things aren't perfect around them, can almost just put the team on their back and drag their team to a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, that's not ideal. You want to build super teams like the the Chiefs have had around Patrick Mahomes, but you want the quarterback that can really elevate the guys around him. And I think that's the next step for Jordan. Don't just be that solid NFL starter. Don't be guy 13 through 22, right? A top 13 through, through 22 quarterback, because I think he is that right now. I don't think there's... There's too much of a question about that. I think, honestly, he's been that close to all year. Now, I do think things are starting to come a little bit. 
he's getting a little bit more chemistry. So the results are starting to flow a little bit more, but I do think he's been a top 13 to 22 quarterback all season. And that's good. That's a starting quarterback, but he, he has to make a jump to become that top 10 quarterback. I'm not sure whether it's going to start in Detroit, but I want to see it happen. Honestly, I'm not sure it'll happen this year, but I think that he's going to get an extension in the off season. And I think then you're going to hope that Jordan makes that jump to becoming that top 10 quarterback, a guy where you can look at him and say, yeah, he's going to drag this team to a Super Bowl. And I, I don't think it needs to come this year. Again, I think it took a couple of years with guys like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, even Joe Burrow. But that's what I want to see. I don't, again, don't necessarily think that it'll start in Detroit, but I think because the Packers are missing some key players, a la Luke Musgrave, he's going to have to elevate his play a little bit to elevate the guys around him. And I would, he's my player to watch because I would love to see him come back against a defense that had not just Jordan's number, but really the entire offense's number back in week four. I'd love to see him come back strong against that defense and say, yeah, yeah, I know I've played well over the past few weeks. I've played like a, like a good quarterback, but I'm not just a good quarterback. I'm not quarterback 13 through 16 in the league as I've been the last three weeks. I am a top 10 quarterback. I am a damn good starting quarterback. I am going to be that guy in Green Bay for a long ass time. I am that dude, that dude. And that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see again. Not sure that we'll see it this year at all. Not sure at all that we'll see it in Detroit, but that's why he's my player to watch. And then, by the way, however Jordan plays, that's how the offense works or how the offense is going to play. That's just kind of how it works. So that's why Jordan's my player to watch. Second player to watch is Kenny Clark. Lions, they're missing their guard, Jonah Jackson. Really their only injury, Jonah Jackson. However, filling in for Jonah Jackson, who's a very good guard, is rookie Colby Soresdale. Yeah. That is a massive drop-off. Soresdale struggled tremendously last week. And when you look at that, you take that into account, plus the fact that Kenny Clark's a stud, I think there's a real opportunity for Kenny Clark to wreck this game. I think that if he plays well in run defense, first of all, the Packers are going to have a good chance. But even if he plays well in run D, there's still a chance that the rest of the line lets him down. But beyond that, I think that Kenny Clark can be a massive part in Green Bay getting to my second off my second defensive key, which is getting turnovers. If Kenny is beating up on that Lions interior, getting pressure on Jared Goff, either forcing a fumble on Goff or forcing Goff to make some ill-advised throws, that's where I think Kenny Clark's impact can really come. And I think, yes, I mean, for the run defense to, to be good, Kenny Clark needs to be good. So that's a given. But beyond that, I think that Kenny can have a real impact in terms of flipping this the story of this game from Detroit's just going to run all over you and you know pass it a couple of times to yeah Detroit might run all over you a bunch but a couple of times when they pass it Kenny's wreaking havoc and I think that's what's going to happen that's what I'm hoping happens so that's why Kenny's my player to watch again it all comes down to just making the chances of having success larger if Kenny dominates I think they have a much better chance of succeeding if he doesn't, well, <laughs> that might be turn off your TV territory, depending on how poorly the offense does. But that's what I have for you. Thank you so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. A long episode, but it's a preview episode. Hopefully you have time to listen to this before the, uh, the game tomorrow. It's what I have for you. As always, thank you 
so, so much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I will be back tomorrow, tomorrow evening, wrapping up the game. Hopefully doesn't go too poorly, but that's what I have. Uh, until then, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy the game. I'll be back. Trying not to cry into the microphone, but I think I'll, I'll just leave you with the message of... Go Pack Go!